are listening to the Quarter Transmissions or leave episode two. I couldn't have prescribed better. The Admiral's orders are confirmed. You have been cleared for sure leave. Tonight on our second installment, we will continue our lead up to the 50th anniversary convention in Las Vegas. Uh, We're going to be discussing a huge announcement dropped very recently by Creation Entertainment. And we're going to have some special guests beaming aboard for another round of First Cons, the segment where our guests look back at their first times attending a Star Trek convention. So I am Jeff Hewlett, and I am joined by my esteemed co-host, the always wonderful Miss Heather Barker. Hola. How are you tonight, Heather? I'm doing pretty well. Pretty well. Getting excited. Excellent. Yeah, it's getting closer and closer. And this is our second installment of Shore Leave already. It seemed like we've been building up to doing the first one for so long, and now we're yeah. already on the second. So Stuff keeps happening, and I'm like, ah, I've got to talk about it now. I know. We, we might have to up the frequency if we can. <laughs> we but, might. We might. Yeah, things are getting very exciting up towards the beginning of this convention that's going to be here before we know it. And uh, tonight, actually, is a tricorder transmissions first. Yes, uh, tonight, we are finally crossing the Trek podcast streams, everybody. <laughs> we uh, we are going to have with us one half of the Trek Geeks podcast team. Mr. Bill Smith is here. How are you, Bill? I'm doing great, Jeff. Heather, it's good to talk to you again. And I'm, I'm excited to be here, particularly because Dan is not going to <laughs> filibuster from the floor. <laughs> yes, I. we've been talking about doing a c- crossover show for, God, a long time. I think ever since right after the last Trek convention, right? Yeah, we. Um, I think we've talked about it on and off, and I think we've got some plans for some exciting stuff. But more importantly, I'm excited to get to Vegas to finally meet you in person. I know. Isn't that the craziest thing that we didn't somehow did not cross paths at the last convention? We were we were both there all four days, right? I, it's amazing to me that we didn't meet up. Yeah. And Heather, I think you're the sort of the, the point of focus on this because I feel like every time I saw you, you were with Claire and that was about it. So after you saw us, you must have run into Jeff all the time. So it's kind of neat how it all worked. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to, what day did we actually meet, Jeff? Do you remember? I, well, I met Claire the first night of the con. Uh, okay. I was with Morehouse and we met up, I met up with Claire at the masquerade. And I think you were there briefly, or you were, you were kind of, you were talking to a bunch of other people too. And I don't think we talked much until the next day. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a blur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, a, it's going to be really great leading up to this con. And I'm, I'm so excited to have you as part of the show, but we're going to have to get Dan on the air here at some point in the near future too, I think. Oh, he'd love it. He, uh, he's, he's dying to come on and we're, we're anxious to get you guys on to talk about some great Trek. Oh, it's going to be incredible. Yeah. Maybe Heather can come on too, or even Claire too. All of the tricorder folks can. I would love to because I'm a geek. I'm a Trek geeks girl. <laughs> the original. <laughs> the OG. <laughs> Heather has been a fan of Trek. I've seen her tweeting about Trek geeks for a long time. We are, uh, we are incredibly fortunate and blessed to have the, the fans and friends that we have listening to our podcast. We had no idea what was going to happen with it. And every week we are humbled and gratified and we're excited to, to, to share with other podcasters too. So it's a, it's a learning process and we're just happy to be part of it. Yeah, certainly. And you just celebrated your one year 
anniversary. You know, why, while you're here, why don't you just quickly tell our audience what Trek Geeks is all about since you just made your one year mark? Yeah, it's it was pretty exciting. You know, we honestly had no idea how long this would last. You know, we could have done this for 10 episodes because most podcasts fail before their 10th episode. It's true. Stick I've heard. Yep. And yeah. so, you know, Dan and I have talked about Trek for 20 years and we always have a blast when we do it. We give each other a lot of grief. We laugh all the time. And truly our podcast mirrors our conversations in real life. You know, we give each other <laughs> that much, that much guff and we really do laugh that often, which is why we have the outtakes at the end of every episode <laughs> so that people can hear sort of the continuity of our relationship. But truly, it's about our friendship as much as it is about Star Trek. Because without one, we wouldn't have the other. And at this phase of our lives, they kind of both run in sync, which is kind of fascinating for us. Very cool, man. And that's that's awesome. And guys, anybody out there who has not listened to the Trek Geek Show, you guys are missing out. You really should tune in. Uh, you know, Bill, why don't we tell people where they can find you guys if they're interested? Sure. Well, obviously the podcast can be found at trekgeeks.com or on iTunes or just about anywhere you can find a podcast. Uh, we're, all, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekgeeks. I'm on Twitter at trekgeekbill. Dan is on at dcdds9, so that might give you a, a bit of a hint as to which mm-hmm. show is his favorite <laughs> um, At trekgeeks, you know, Facebook, Skype, Twitter, we're all over the place. So um, please, uh, you know, we we welcome new listeners all the time and uh, we just hope to keep doing what we're doing because we're having fun. Yeah, don't don't stop, man. Just keep going as long as you possibly can. These these shows are so magical and so much fun. It's great to have so many of us out there doing our thing. Well, you know, and it's it's taught us a lot about Trek fandom, especially both went to STLV last year because we had people recognizing us. And that was really kind of a mind blowing experience. We just figure. We're two guys who sit at our computers every day and record our voices. And we didn't really have a good handle on how many people were hearing it and identifying with it. So it's, a, it's great. I look forward to this summer to see what happens. Yeah, you know, that you reminded me of a story from my first STLV. I, I probably should save it for our first cons. Uh, it, was a, it was about the first time we ran into somebody that actually listened to our show and recognized us. So that was really cool. So I'll, I'll hold off since we're doing first cons in a little bit and I'll, I'll remind me to tell that story when we get there. So we usually start off our shore leave episodes with some news and uh, tidbits about the upcoming convention. But I think there's one giant announcement that I think is going to trump everything. I, I think we're only going to talk about this one thing about the convention this episode and save our other planned stuff until the next one. And that is on February 11th, 2015. I'll actually read the entire announcement uh, from Creation Entertainment. So they said, at this time, all seating and ticketing is now sold out for the convention. We are working with the hotel and our seating plan to try to add any seating we can. If and when any seating can be added, we will do so and send out a message to those on our mailing list. Uh, We thank all of our fellow Star Trek fans for his truly unprecedented accomplishment. What a tribute to the enduring popularity of our mentor Gene Roddenberry's legacy to humankind. There is no waiting list for tickets. Please do not contact us for this. Thanks. So that means that every ticket package and every day pass is now completely sold out until they're able to somehow finagle uh, more people uh, 
uh, into the uh, the actual convention. And we don't know about fire codes or anything, but off the top of your heads, Heather, how do you feel about a sold out STLV this far in advance? I think it's pretty amazing, and it gives me a lot of hope for all the new Trek fans um, who will meet there and what creation might have up their sleeves and CBS because CBS has a pretty large hand in the convention this year. Um, So I'm looking forward to that. I'm not looking forward to all of the people. (laughs) (laughs) I do not want them to add more more tickets, whether they're the – bringing back the cadet option where it was just admission basically to like the vendors room and the halls, but not to, um, any of the theaters. I I don't want that. Like we don't need to have more people. It was congested enough last year, Mm -hmm. um, on the busy days that it just, it just scares me. Plus my own little social anxiety. I I mentioned before that I often snuck over to the little triple lounge to get away (laughs) From all of the people, and um, so far that seems to be a pretty popular opinion. Of course, there are so many people that that didn't get tickets, um, and we can discuss that because I don't think Creation handled um, announcement of their tickets very well. Mm. So there are countless people out there still looking for tickets. I just can't imagine. Like maybe they should have. I know they're under contract with the Rio, but maybe they should have thought about moving it somewhere else for the fiftieth. I don't know. That's a good thought. And, you know, another thing that really stood out to me uh, is that it's so far in advance, there's still not a lot of content that's been announced for the convention. In fact, they've, they haven't added a, a huge amount of guests yet. They've got a, a modest amount, but but yeah. not even half of what they had uh, last year at the, the time the convention actually happened. There's, mm-hmm. you know, not there's no panel list yet. Uh, so we don't really even know. A lot of the things that are going to happen, and people have bought out all these tickets on spec. So, you know, Bill, what what are your thoughts on this sellout? I'm I'm stunned, quite honestly, because I don't think I've ever seen STLV sell out in its truest sense of the word. I mean, there's not going to be a Groupon this year. There's not going to be mm-hmm. the um, the discount single day tickets, and it is going to. I'm going to feel like a salmon. I think walking up. <laughs> I'm a little concerned that they've sold out so quickly, like you just said, before there's actual content announced. I think they're almost kind of hoping if we build it, they will come. And to some extent we have, because I think we were all fearful we were going to get shut out like Mm -hmm. so many fans have. Yeah, that's Heather and Claire. I remember way back when, right after the end of the last convention, you guys were really twisting my arm to buy my ticket ahead of time because you guys had the crystal ball. You were saying, (laughs) this is going to be a sellout. You better get your tickets now. So I was like, okay, fine, fine, fine. I'll book my room. I'll get my tickets, blah, blah, blah. And you guys were right. Yeah. I mean, I've been going since 2009 and I – I think in all of those years, only one Saturday has sold out. And, you know, I don't have proof of that from creation. It might be in online somewhere um, that they sold out that day. But I've never seen it do this, especially as we've just said, this far in advance. So I'm also stunned. But I'm still, I just, I had kind of thought, okay, it's the 50th. Everybody's going to hype it up. It's going to be huge. But I wonder what they're really going to do. Like, what are we really going to see? Is creation going to have more stuff is it going to be a you know what all of my expectations are mm-hmm. and now i'm getting kind of hopeful I'd, i didn't think it would be before and even though there's not a lot of content announced and there's only 60 guests as of today um i'm still just i'm, I'm getting more and more excited as the days go on 
Yeah, I am too. You know, I'm wondering, I'm sure it won't have a huge, huge impact on air travel, but I'm wondering if, um, you know, flights from popular origin points will be a little bit more scarce as you get closer. Well, I know that I, Southwest, I already bought my ticket to go. I just need to buy my return ticket. And mm. I think with Southwest, that was the cheapest fare I was able to find. I think at this point, you should be able to buy return tickets um, as of today. I can confirm that in a little bit. Yeah, um, I hadn't even thought about the return tickets. That's a good question. Bill, have you bought your airfare yet? Uh, like Heather, I've bought my airfare to Vegas, but mm. South, the rest of Southwest schedule opens up on the 18th of February. So, as so of tomorrow. This... Yeah. Awesome. Okay. All right. Interesting. I'm going to have to look at my normal. I usually fly um, out of Philadelphia. I usually do... Uh, United now, Continental United, uh, or American. So I'm going to check those out and see what they are. Usually I buy round trip, but I usually don't buy this far in advance, but now I'm starting to think maybe I should. Yeah. On the subject of flights, I'm going to skip over. I just went over to um, Creation's website. So we, we've already mentioned that the Rio is completely sold out. Yep. It looks like there are still rooms at the Palms, according to this. And as far as I know, there are still rooms at Gold Coast, but talking about like lines and stuff being backed up, I, I keep thinking about the check-in line at the Rio. Oh, God, yeah. And what that's going to be like. So a lot of us tend to come in like the day before the convention yeah, and then leave the day after. And if you're able to do that, I would highly recommend it. Um, even coming a day before, the line to check-in can still be pretty lengthy. I think... Last year, it wasn't that bad, maybe 30 minutes. I think the year before, it took about an hour. So I would just suggest that you get in a day or two early so that you can get checked into the Rio and avoid the line that's going to happen. I'm sure they will do what they can to make it speed up and and not take hours to check in. But I just I have nightmares about it. <laughs> hey, Bill, are you staying at the Rio? I actually am, and it's because Dan talked me into it. Nice. Uh, the man. Rio actually is not one of my favorite hotels, I'll be candid. Um, uh, yeah. Because it's off strip. Yes. You know, I've been to Vegas a lot in my life, probably at least 20 times. Oh, you got me beat. Uh, yeah. I'm well, in the teens, but. Mom always said I was an overachiever. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm I'm happy to be in the center where the action is because last year, you know, we missed a lot of things like, say, you know, gatherings at the masquerade, for mm -hmm. example. But, yeah, I I am at the Rio. I'm actually coming in the day of the con, and that's because I enjoy being married. <laughs> <laughs> if I leave any earlier than that, I have a feeling that uh, I, I might get to stay in Vegas a little longer than I plan. Now, my wife is very supportive and... I'm coming in day one. I'm I'm in early, I think, like 10 a.m. local time. So. Oh, good. Okay. Good. That's cool. Excellent. So, yeah, I'm glad to hear you're staying at the Rio because I I was saying to on the other show we just did uh, about a month ago that, you know, I had stayed off-premises last year and the year before. And the the first year, it wasn't that big of a deal because I didn't, I didn't really know a lot of people there and I wasn't hanging around late into the evening. But for the convention last year... I did not get back to my room, which was about 15-ish minutes away, depending on lights and traffic. I didn't get back to my room until after 4 a.m. every single night, and that really, really sucked. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was. I remember the last night I was getting ready to head out, and and it was it was really early for me. It was about two thirty in the morning. You know, getting getting close to three. And as I'm walking away, Larry Nemechek walks up and strikes up a conversation. I was there for like another hour. <laughs> like, wow, oh, I couldn't get out. So, yeah, it's staying at the I'm looking forward to just being able to get on an elevator and, and go up and just kind of hit the bed. Do um, either of you have any idea? I've, I started a, um, a thread in the unofficial Star Trek group for people who need tickets and people who need rooms. And someone had mentioned like what the procedure might be if they've got a reservation that they're going to give to someone else. Do either of you have any experience with doing that or suggestions? I do not actually. Neither do I. (laughs) I have never sold a a reservation ticket or a ticket or bought one from someone else. So it's a totally alien concept to me. I didn't even know you could do that. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you can either. And obviously I think the best solution at this point for anyone that may want to do that is to just call the Rio point blank and ask what to do. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe you could do something like, uh, if the, the person that you want to, to sell your hotel reservation to you, you could get on like a conference call with them and call the Rio together so you can cancel and rebook at the exact same time. Yeah. I mean, that's what I would recommend and that's the best solution I can think of. Um, but I know primarily I made the thread for people looking to share rooms, but I've seen a couple people that do have reservations and are trying to get out of it. And it would be great if, you know, that reservation could be taken over by someone that wants to stay at the Rio. I don't, don't recommend attempting to sell any reservation or ticket um, at a price above what you paid for it. But you know, if we could just fill up those vacancies with more Star Trek fans, that's great. So hopefully it works out. But I, I guess we would just advise you to do what Jeff recommended and uh, hop on a conference call and both call the Rio to figure out what to do there. Yeah, probably the best idea because you know, it's this is one of those things where it's probably really easy to get scammed. Yeah. Uh, not that anybody I think that's a member of the, the unofficial Facebook group is looking to scam anybody. But, you know, if you're out there on some sort of a, a you know, a, a ticket exchange service or, or, you know, like a Craigslist or an eBay or anything like that, it may be really easy to, to lose your money yeah. by trying to buy a ticket from someone else. So just be careful yeah. out there. Yeah, someone did ask about like if they've got a ticket with someone else's name on it, um, and they take that to the convention, what would happen? And I, they've never checked my ID when I registered, whether I've had general admission, captain's chair. Um, when I go and register and I get my little packet, they just look at my ticket. So I don't think that's a big deal. I just think being smart about the transaction is what's most important. But, mm. you know, I, I put up that thread and I specifically said, you know, this is not to sell overpriced. You have to sell it for what you paid plus that 775 creation service fee thing. Um, so we don't want any scalpers and just, I don't want that to happen to anybody, but as far as that goes, the rest of the transaction is up to you guys. <laughs> yes, and I, you know, I'm, I'm wondering. I, I'm bet, willing to bet money that there's going to be some scalp tickets going around out yeah. there for much more than their face value for this con. It's so popular. Yeah, and I think in the past someone had popped up a captain's chair ticket or something, and I was alerted to it because mm. unfortunately they were asking for. Well, first they said it was sold out and it wasn't sold out. And then they were asking for a bit more than, than what it was going for on the website. And not cool. <laughs> not cool. Yeah. So just be careful. Use your, your best uh, judgment and intuition 
And if we find any more tips, we will surely pass them along. Agreed. Yes, yes. So speaking of the unofficial Facebook group, earlier in the week, we put out a call for listener comments, member comments uh, about the sellout. And uh, we wanted to see what everybody else thought. And we figured we would read their comments on the air and then discuss them. And uh, I'll start off with the first comment that we got back by uh, Desiree Rogers. And she says, this will be my fifth consecutive convention. And the previous experiences definitely had more intimate quality to them, being nowhere near a sellout. I'm excited to experience a sellout crowd but I admit I'm a bit nervous about the prospect of a large crowd in terms of viewing things and getting around. My excitement outweighs any apprehension. My first con was a solo trip for me, and being a hardcore introvert, it was a little hard for me to come out of my shell. But it's gotten so much easier with each passing year. I can only imagine with this monster convention, one has no choice but to get to know their neighbor because there is no choice or extra room. So I think Desiree (laughs) echoed some of our previous comments uh, about the the overcrowding. So, so Bill, you've been quiet for a little while here. What are your thoughts on Desiree's comments? I think that Desiree's comments are something I can relate to wholeheartedly. I mean, when I first started going to to STLV, a lot of times it was by myself, and I felt incredibly introverted because mm-hmm. really I didn't know anybody there at that point. So I can absolutely respect the way she feels. I do think that it is going to be pretty busy. I think we're going to feel like um, we're in, in a tin can at some point. I, uh, or maybe like we're the people in the Mark of Gideon, perhaps. I think that the bright side to all of this is that you're among a whole bunch of friends that you've never met. So whereas at a sports event or, or something else, a concert, it might be you know very terrifying because everybody's out there for themselves. I think that this crowd is a little different and probably a little more respectful of people in space at times. So I think that's probably the best thing that we have going for us. I agree. And I think, Bill, you may have just come up with the best idea for creation for this convention. You know what they should do if creation, if anybody from creation is listening to this right now, I'm going to give you a million dollar idea. Get some sort of uh, very inexpensive, like plastic jumpsuit, like a poncho with a hood on it, and hand it out to every single person. <laughs> so we actually look like the Mark of Gideon. Everybody will walk around bumping into each other with these little similar outfits on, with just our little faces sticking out. That would be so awesome. It's the ultimate 50th anniversary cosplay. <laughs> Free cosplay for everybody. Oh, Heather, what do you think about Desiree's comments? Uh, I love her comment and I think she was so positive about it um, because I know that thinking about having so many people around you is, is overwhelming and and difficult, but um, you know, I think that so many of us know each other that once, once we see each other, like we know we're family and with the new people, just like Bill said, you know, everyone is, is friendly, really. I mean, people are people. So somebody might be having a bad day or, or someone else might be shy and might not interact with you. But there's just so, so many people that you can turn around and talk to pretty much anybody. So, I mean, I know for Claire, I wish she was here, but she said, um, people are asking her when she was going to the convention alone, like, Oh, aren't you going to be lonely? You're not going to know anybody there. And she's like, 
but I'm going to know people there. Like I'm going to make friends because we all have Star Trek in common. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, yeah, there's going to be a lot of people and it's a bit intimidating to think about, but Hey, it's more friends. So I'm thrilled. That's a really great way to look at it. And I guess, you know, I also had a, a bit of a, a feeling of um, kinship with, with what Desiree said, because I remember my first con a couple of years ago, I, the, the podcast was still relatively new and I was kind of timid about promoting it because I was afraid that, you know, I'd get criticized because those people are such hardcore Trek fans. I had this vision in my head of what people at the convention were going to be like. So I was much more introverted than I would normally have been. And uh, that was, of course, all unfounded. But I kind of felt, you know, I was there with just Craig. I didn't really know anybody else. I, I, we just barely had knew the five-year mission guys. It was kind of an awkward feeling, and but of course my second year, as I've said many times, it was a completely different experience, and all that introversion was gone. So it's so cool that we all ha- kind of have these similar stories about our first or early conventions and, and how much different the later ones are. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I was lucky that the first conventions I went to, I went with my ex-husband, and he was very outgoing, a little more so than me, so he was able to strike up conversations and I would join in. And so my first ones were, they were okay. I mean, I was there with somebody and then able to make friends and meet people. Um, and you know, the one thing that I have to say is that that first convention, I would watch people and I could tell even then that there was this family element and I preach this family element because it's so important to me and why the experience is, something that I look forward to every year and will never give up going. Um, but just the fact that you could see that, don't be shy. Like, just make friends. Talk to people. It's it's the best thing that you can do going. And I think before you know it, you will be roped in and you will feel like you are one of the collective. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely will. And, and anybody who has uh, submitted comments to the show, you have to come find us. Yes. At the yes. convention. So we can we can meet you and, and thank you in person. And moving on to our next comment is from uh, Missy Kilgore. And Missy says, I'd like to talk about your thoughts on Creation's comment that they're working with the venue to see if they can add more seats or some fan suggestion to have a cadet ticket that would be good for everything but the main theater. Many frequent con-goers have expressed concern that it's already super crowded and that adding more people would only diminish everyone's experience. And I I will definitely echo that concern. Uh, And Heather, you said something about this earlier that, you know, the con, even when it's not sold out, there's times where the con can get really, really crowded, especially trying to maneuver up and down the hallways between big panels when, you know, I remember when Shatner was going to be on, it was just mobbed getting from yeah. the vendor room to say the big theater. And, you know, if the, if the con is completely and totally sold out every single day and they squeeze even more people in, uh, just knowing the chaos that was there last year, uh, you know, Bill, do you think it's going to be a detriment to everyone there trying to kind of muscle your way through? Is it going to d- diminish everyone's experience, like Missy said? Um, I'm concerned it might on some level because uh, simply of, of the ability to just get from point A to point B, uh, whether it's for you know autographs or photo ops or maybe you just need a break from stuff. Hmm. Uh, I, I'm concerned – well, I'm actually – I'm even concerned at the level of tickets that they have now because yeah. they haven't really ever had a crowd like that there at the Rio. Yeah. So I, I 
I hope they don't add extra chairs because I don't want to see the stress level of an amazing weekend raise for anybody. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And it seems that a lot of us have a little bit of that social anxiety or whatever you want to call it, where it's just large crowds can be very overwhelming. And, you know, creation has said before, they're never going to sell more tickets when they have seats. And I think they just need to stick by that. You know, we said earlier, we don't know what the fire codes are, um, but I don't even want to go near there. I know that a big issue of why the Guinness uh, attempt, the world record, most people in Star Trek costume attempt, um, they stopped doing it because they could only fill the room to fire code capacity. And we still had people waiting to come in. So it just got to be a little overwhelming, I think. And yeah, I just can't imagine having more and more people I hope that creation possibly has more areas where people can go and just relax and get away from the crazy. That's a great point, too, is as you were saying that it made me think of the areas that they had uh, last year for just kind of getting out of the way. So you had like the, you know, the enlarged Quarks bar area with kind of like that uh, that seating area in the back where you could kind of lay down on the floor almost. Yeah. And yeah, um, triple lounge. Yeah, that was really oh, that's a triple lounge, right? That was yeah. really cool. <laughs> and there was, you know, and they had a couple of exhibits that you could stand in and, and hang around at. But I'm thinking I mean, if you're totally sold out every day, all of that space is gonna be completely dominated. And even the vendor room is probably gonna get excessively crowded. So escaping is gonna be more about going all the way up the main hall and going out towards where the casino is just to mm. kind of get away from it, right? Yeah, and I don't want to do that because of the smoke. Yuck. It gets very smoky in the Rio, yeah. Yeah, I know they've got – last year there was a an area that looked like it may have been – maybe for the guests there were tables in there, but it wasn't for like all of us. I think it might have been like a prep area for the guests that were speaking in something or some kind of lounge. So I feel like maybe they could use that room, and I don't know how many rooms are contracted to. Um, it looks – looks like that whole corridor, they get a lot of it. Um, so I don't know if they could open up another area because, yeah, everything is going to be high, highly populated. Yeah, I seriously hope whatever space they can they can rent out for this con is completely maxed out so that they don't have any uh, – the overflows that they had last year. I mean I remember trying to get into that um, that bridge set. And there were just lines and lines and lines for that thing. And I can just imagine how how much longer they're going to be uh, this year for those same exhibits. So Definitely. Yeah. So moving along, we have a comment from James Hickman. He says, hello. Uh, it would have been much less of a shock if Creation had stated on their website that ticket sales were going crazy and that in a few days or by a certain date, they uh, anticipate they would be sold out. Or they would have given us mere mortals a heads up. <laughs> I'm on Social Security and have things to buy um, month to month as I can afford them. Uh, this was a month for lodging and plane fare. Next month would be a single day ticket purchase. Thank you for hearing me complain a little. Uh, James, I feel so bad for you, man. And uh, that that's a shame that, you know, for people on fixed incomes uh, or people yeah. who couldn't have didn't have the money that far in advance. This really is a blow. Yeah. People waiting on their tax returns to pay oh, for it. Yeah. Yep. I know a lot of people that do that. Oh, that's a shame. Bill, do you feel for James too? Oh, without question. I mean, Vegas is always the most expensive convention. 
yeah. far as Star Trek goes. A lot of the other regional conventions wind up being cheaper for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. This year being the 50th, they're just charging even more than they normally would for Vegas. Yep. So it's yep. I understand that they're a business and they're in business to make money, but come on. You know? Yeah. The gala ticket is is half as it well, it's twice as much. It's like sixty bucks and it's normally thirty. And it's still the Nevada Pops, which I've seen five times now. <laughs> Sorry, creation. But yeah, it's I mean, I get like with some of the ticket prices being a little higher and whatnot. And, you know, we could talk for days about all the drama that's gone on with the ticket prices. But the fact that it's sold and I mean, it's sold out to so many people. I know I have not gotten an email from creation in probably two years and I'm on their email list. So I wouldn't have known about the tickets unless I had been sitting here on my computer watching someone submit a post about them. The general admission was on sale. You know, I was that's like, a Everybody? good point, Heather. Yeah. I'm on the mailing list too, and I haven't gotten a single email nope. from Creation about anything about tickets going on sale. Wow. And you know, I only knew about the the general admission package because you guys, uh, we were actually recording right around when they went on sale. Yeah. And you guys like, oh my God, they're on sale. Let's go. So Yeah. Yeah, it would have been really nice if uh, Creation gave uh, people a heads up, especially for for people like James who were in a situation where they they had to buy everything kind of spaced out so they could afford it all. I know that they've put stuff in the official Creation group that said like sell out imminent. Um, But even when they put tickets on sale, like Captain's Chair, something went on sale. Maybe it was General Mission went on sale on like Friday and then sold out by like Sunday morning and the people didn't even get an email that it was available until like Monday. <laughs> and I've heard about that happening numerous times that when creation does send the email, they don't send it until the tickets have been available for a few days. So, I mean, it is what it is. Unfortunately that there's nothing we can go back and do unless creation does come up with a way to, to add more seats, whatever they're going to do, which I hope they don't do. But there is my little the ticket thread. Go to the unofficial Star Trek Las Vegas convention group if you're looking for tickets. And we have a thread. It's in our little group info. I have a pinned um, rules and all the information. And I put the links there so that you can you can keep looking. All right. Well, you know, this is it's convenient. The next comment has a little bit of a of an alternate idea that's been that's been kind of batted around and this is our wonderful friend Heather and I's wonderful friend Sue Peroff who uh we both love very dearly she's a a great cosplayer and and we look forward to seeing her every year at the convention and she says there has been chatter about people not buying tickets but still wandering the halls and she wonders are there fire regulations in the convention area regarding numbers will they restrict people going in uh, at the point right before the big convention hall, will there be enough seats? And what about the lineups at the restaurants? Wow, that's another really great point. Yeah. So I remember a while back, we we had jokingly talked about uh, not buying con tickets and just hanging around the Rio every day. So this, <laughs> I guess, it you know, it's it's kind of sort of an option because, you know, theoretically, you're supposed to have a ticket even to be able to get past the entryway. But it seems like, you know, there are ways you can just kind of wander around the hallways. You can't get into any of the actual rooms, but you could always kind of hang around and and look at the public stuff uh, without an actual ticket. So um, I don't know, Bill, do do you think anybody 
should should try to do that if they can't get tickets but still want to go? I I suppose they could, but I don't know how much value they'd glean out of it. You know, it's yeah, they could see the free things and who knows how those will be organized this year because there will be more foot traffic in the hallways. Hmm. Um I, I suppose you could, but at that point, I if it were me, I, I don't know that I would. Yeah, that's probably a really good point. Heather, what are your thoughts on this? So this has come up in, in the group from time to time because people seem to think that you can just go and wander. And as we've said, you're supposed to have a wristband, um, proof of your admission. And when you're walking down the convention hall and you get to the convention area, there are some dudes standing around that will look at your wristband. When it's really busy, and especially if you're already wearing a uniform of sorts, they just kind of let you go through. Um, So you may be able to do it. I would not bank on doing it. We don't know what they're going to do as far as security this year. So there could be a lot more um, restrictions on on how they let you in and whatnot. Mm -hmm. If you've got friends there and your friends are going to come hang out with you at masquerade or whatnot, then, you know, by all means do that. But just don't bank on being able to get into the convention area if you don't have a ticket. Mm, I agree. Now, I think I've said this before uh, on another episode, but here in New Jersey, the creation Star Trek convention, which is actually really close to where I live. It's only about a half an hour away from here. Now, they will actually tell you that you can go in and walk through the vendor room without actually buying a ticket. So you need a ticket to get into the panel area. So I remember uh, the first time Craig Cohen and I went to that convention, you know, we walked up to the the ticket booth to buy an actual ticket. And they said, um, well, did you go look at the vendor area and stuff? And they're like, no, no, we didn't go in yet. They said, well, yeah, just go ahead and take a look and then come back and buy a ticket if you want to go. And I was like, wow, crazy. (laughs) But um, I know for a fact, because I can remember this, and Heather already said it, there are people at the entrances to every room, including the vendor room in Vegas, and they will not let you in without a wristband, unless you're lucky and can slip in. But I wouldn't recommend trying that because you probably will wind up getting thrown out, and that wouldn't be good. So, um, you know, Sue also brings up a very interesting thing here, and I didn't think about this until just now. I remember very distinctly one day I was pretty hungry at the last convention, and I went to – there was like a little fast food area in the back of the Rio, and I think I waited almost a half an hour for a pretzel (laughs) at the Wetzel's Pretzel Place. Now, and that was kind of at the height of lunchtime. Now, I can only imagine, you know, Sue brought up the lines at restaurants. I can only imagine how crowded every restaurant in the Rio is going to be with a sellout crowd. Yeah. I can testify for you that you will wait at least a half an hour, even when nobody is at that little fast food. (laughs) You're probably right. The wait times are dreadful. Yeah, I, I remember seeing a line at Burger King that went all the way out to the escalator. Yeah. <laughs> it was really, yeah. really bad. But um, I think I remember seeing very, very long lines at Starbucks. I think Heather and I and Claire waited in one of them. Yeah, I think we did. It was um, awful. So I'm look, looking at the Rio website, and right now they've got you know one upscale dining place, the Voodoo Steakhouse, which is all the way at the top and really lovely if you want a nice view of the strip. Yes. Um, they've got the buffet, and then one, two, three, about seven other casual sit-down places. I highly recommend Hash House a Go Go for mm-hmm. breakfast and brunch. It's amazing. Um, oh, 
One is just a wine cellar. Okay. And then like casual food options, you've got the Burger King, Wetzel's Pretzels, Sports Deli, not a whole lot to choose from uh, as far as meals go. So yeah, I would, I, I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't even want to think about it. If you have options to bring your own food, <laughs> yeah, uh, do that. Stop at the grocery, um, get some stuff. But I think no matter what, we're going to be facing lines, maybe playing a dinner off, you know, on strip away from the Rio. I don't know. Yeah. Well, this is why I'm renting a car again this year so that yes. I don't have to deal with this stuff. Because that yes. would drive me ballistic. How many people can we fit into your car? I don't know. It's going to be a little one. So maybe four or five tops. Shotgun. But, yeah, maybe we can cram people in the trunk. But um, so, Bill, <laughs> uh, I, I know you had some comments about the uh, fast food places, but did you attempt to get into any of the sit down places last year in the Rio? I did not. And that's only because I was staying at the Flamingo last year. Oh, I love that place. I, I do too. It's a decent option for a cheap hotel room in the center of the strip. It is almost geographically dead center. And you can be at the Rio in five minutes. It's a fairly cheap cab ride. So if there are people still looking for lodging, it's not a bad option if you don't mind, you know, waiting for a shuttle bus that's going to take a long time or just, you know, taking a quick $7 cab ride. Mm. You might actually save some money compared to staying somewhere else. Agreed. Excellent advice. So next comment is from, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing the last name right, Robert Reyes. And he says, I guess it would be nice to talk about ways to unwind from the overstimulation from the number of people that will be there. And I think this kind of dovetails right into the whole social anxiety discussion again and the, the huge crowds that can generate anxiety for a lot of people. I know you've got claustrophobics who may have a problem being that tight. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge, I think, to get around and, and get into the panel rooms and find seats sometimes. So I know, Heather, this is something that's foremost on your mind. Yeah, triple lounge. <laughs> <laughs> More triple lounges. Um, yeah, again, I just I really hope that they have some places to go hang out because there are many people that won't be staying at the Rio, so they can't just go up to their room, which is the, the first thing I do. If there's nowhere for me to chill out in the convention hall, I just go up to the room for a little bit and take a break. But yeah, I mean, they just got so much space down there. I'm really hoping that they're going to have another, another nice lounge. Um, otherwise I would just recommend like getting out your iPad. Well, I guess your iPhone now we don't really use iPods anymore. Um, but just there are hallways and there are little places you can sneak down and kind of be by yourself if you want to. So I've done that several times I've just gone and kind of decompressed, listened to some music, chill me out. You know, eventually you'll feel better and get over there. I do a lot of my unwinding after the con because <laughs> uh, it's just an overload for many reasons. You know, just the, the stimulation, the people being in this. The convention hall isn't smoky, but the rest of the casino people can smoke in. So I usually... Yeah you know, wind up sounding a little hoarse at the end. But that's why I take a few days off afterward. This is the most stimulation I will probably get all year. So I do my decompression when I get home. That's that's a good that's good advice. I would definitely second that taking a day or two after you get back from the con off just to unwind. Now, Bill, I I think 
for you, this super crowded convention is going to be a huge opportunity. I envision you doing a whole John Cusack style giant boombox in the middle of the hall playing a Trek Geeks episode <laughs> to the to the captive audience. We are trying to get creation to let us talk to people for the podcast in the hallways. Um, oh. so, and I don't mean to, to sneak in a plug, but um, we're doing our Trek 50 project this year. We're collecting the stories of people's first viewing of Star Trek. Nice. And it occurs to us that the largest concentration of fans for this kind of venture is going to be at STLV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we've been in contact with Creation. You know, say, look, we, we don't need anything. You know, we're not going to you know, distribute marketing materials. You know, there's, we're not making any money off this. We just want to have a microphone and a recorder and ask people to tell us their story. And it's taking a while to get approval. <laughs> that's what I've heard happens with creation. Now, yeah. that's interesting because we're not even asking. We're just going to do it. We well, did it last year and, uh, you know, just walking around with a little mic, handheld mic and, and, and hooked up to the, the iPhone and just recording little brief interviews with people in the hallways or the vendor room. Well, that may be when it comes to guerrilla style. Yeah, man. But we figured we'd ask first. Of course. You know, I, I figured I'd try to be a good citizen. Uh, I should have just listened to Dan, and I, I admit that right now. And I'm sure he's going to hang this over me for the rest of our podcast lives. So, but yeah, I, we may. I may go John Cusack. I don't know. I may. Um, I may just go with a bullhorn. Nice. <laughs> That's an option too. <gasps> going back to Robert's comment about unwinding for mm. me personally, and I don't know how many other people this works for. I have to get off site. I have yeah. to go do something, you know, that doesn't involve the Trek con. Um, in years past, I know most people don't, but I've golfed. Um, but sometimes I like to go other places where there aren't going to be as many people. Um, I've gone to like the conservatory at the Bellagio because mm. it's quiet. Yeah. You know, where I've gone and done other things, uh, maybe headed down to Fremont Street and just sort of, you know, walked around down there. But for me, I, I need some decompression while I'm there so I can absolutely respect his question. Yeah. So actually, Bill, the good thing you said that we're planning a Fremont Street excursion for the podcast group here. Maybe you guys can yeah. tag along. Excellent. Yeah, it'd be kind of fun. There's a cool little uh, toy and collectible shop down there uh, we're all interested in hitting up. I hit it up last year and the year before, and there's always really cool stuff in there. I had no idea. Well, it looks like I'm going on that away team. Yeah. Yay. If you ever watch the show Pawn Stars, by the way. Yes, yes. So the guy that they have come in and uh, and check out toys that people bring into Pawn oh, runs okay. that toy store down, downtown. Yeah, he's got some great stuff down there. Oh, cool. I know him well. Now I'm even more excited. Yay. Yeah. Um, I was going to mention, too, uh, the Gold Coast next door has a bowling alley. Oh. So every now and then people will get get a little bowling team together. I think the more that we have, the more we get a discount. Um, nice. But it's – I don't know if it's open 24 hours or not. Um, mm. But that's a fun little way to unwind as well. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of, of recreation, I think uh, rumor has it that the Kiss Monster Mini Golf is moving to the Rio. Yeah, we've had a couple people post about it and it definitely is and I think it will be open yeah, and that should um, that should give us a little extra uh, boost of, of yeah. things that we can do. So um, I think that'll be fun. So finally, we have one more comment here before we move on to our first cons, and this is from uh, Belinda Privet. She says it would be great to have people, uh, creation people, in the intersections of walkways, giving out information or directions. 
said last year, unless you had been there all week, it was hard to find photo ops, display rooms, the second theater and so on. Uh, with so many people in the halls, it was hard to know, especially uh, with so many people in wheelchairs and scooters. It, not everyone had a helper with them. And it, there was a lot of single people attending. I found myself and my daughter uh, taking people or assisting them to different areas like the photo ops. Uh, maybe a tall pole with words and general info or directions would really help out. And I kind of agree with that because there were some times where I wasn't sure where exactly things were. Heather, I mean, Heather, you've been there so many times, you pretty much know the layout, right? Yeah, at this point I do. Um, and I had mentioned to her that they do have several maps that they've got. I know there's one in front of the main theater and then I think there was one down by the vendor's room. And then she enlightened to me that apparently there's a map in the program as well. So you do have that to help you. And then... I posted a picture in that thread of like the Leonard Nimoy theater, which was that the Roddenberry theater this year that they name it Nimoy. It was, there was the Nimoy and the DeForest Kelly last year. Okay. All right. So then Nimoy was the, the main one, but it'll have like, they, they do have signs that tell you where to go, but I, it makes me sad that so many people were confused. And I think that, um, that alone, should really inspire creation to do something more. Um, and I think what we need to do is email creation and let them know that they, they don't see our group, so they don't know what goes on, but the more people that can communicate how difficult it is to get around, you know, the more power we have to get creation to do something or for creation to just step up and listen, um, which they have done in the past few years. So I think it would be great. I think it's a great suggestion and I think we should all tell creation. I agree. Bill, what are your thoughts on this? I agree. I mean, if, if there's one person, you know, that, that has that issue, I think it's enough to, to be a concern because, mm-hmm. you know, signage there is not great. I mean, there are lots of banners now in the hallway, which is really nice, but you know, you, sometimes you don't know what a room is until you're right on top of it. And if there's a group of people there, it can be even harder to see the sign. So I can absolutely appreciate that. I think they do have to make the signage a lot more friendly you know, to, to people of all walks of life, simply just to, to help the confusion because there will be so many people. I completely agree, especially at the heights of the crowds, um, it, when it's really chaotic in the hallways, it does get a little bit more difficult to know exactly where you're supposed to go for what. And uh, I remember my first photo op that I did at my first con, I, it took me a while just to find where I was actually supposed to line up for it. Yeah. So right. uh, a little bit awkward there. So uh, all of you who have submitted your comments to this recording, thank you so much. We really appreciate Everyone chipping in here. It's been a, a really fun discussion. Uh, in closing, about the sellout of the con so early, do either one of you have any final thoughts before we move on to our next segment? I only wish that there were some kind of, of booze cart, quite honestly, because I think it's going to require that for me to get this weekend. <laughs> I, uh, I believe in better conventioning through potent potables. Um, ah, yeah. You know, no judgments, but <laughs> I, um, I think it would just make the weekend go a whole lot more easily. That's just me, though. I could be wrong. Well, you can come meet it at the meet us at the masquerade because we're going to be there like every night. I'll be there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh gosh, I don't I don't really know what else to say. Um, we will update you the more information we get on whether more tickets open up. Um, you'll see that first thing in the unofficial group, and um, just thank I think all of you that are in the group for being so awesome, and making our community like drama free. And you're all mature, wonderful people. I can't wait to see you in August. 
Excellent. Once again, thanks everybody for chiming in on this. It's been a lot of fun. I hope we can get some more uh, listener feedback and comments for our upcoming episode. So as we said earlier, we are uh, going to do another segment of First Cons. This is actually very quickly becoming uh, my favorite section of these shows. I I love hearing all of our guests come on and talk about their first time attending the Star Trek Las Vegas convention. For everything, there is a first time. You still... I cannot help but you. For everything, there is a first time. First Welcome to the second edition of the First Con Club. Uh, host Heather and I are here with uh, Bill Smith, who is still here from from Trek Geeks. He was with us in our first segment. Bill, how's it going? Uh, great. I'm just glad you you guys you know haven't gotten rid of me. That's um, <laughs> I, I was I, considering I, hanging up on you, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> everybody does that. It's funny. Uh, so we actually have two more guests that we've added in here for the First Con segment, who are going to be sharing their memories from their first conventions with us. Uh, first up is um, a member of our STLV convention family, Mr. Ian Adams. How are you, Ian? Doing very well, thanks. Great to talk to you guys again. Yes, yeah, nice to talk to you too. Rumor has it that you are joining the Merchant Marines. Yeah, it's well, it's more than a rumor. I just went in for my uh, physical and drug test today, and so I am like one step away from uh, shipping out, really. Excellent. Congratulations, well, congratulations man. Thanks. Yeah, I hope this. But won't... I'm still gonna miss. I, I'm still not gonna miss Star Trek Las Vegas, though. Ah, so let's good. be clear about that. I That's was gonna ask. Important. I was going to ask that question. So I'm glad to hear that you are not gonna miss the convention. Great. So, and we also have another guest with us. Is he is a returning guest to the show? He's been on a couple times before, and that is the uh, Red Shirt Diaries crew member and Paramount's own Adam Drosen. Hello, guys. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me back. Ah, always a pleasure to hear your voice. Uh, how are things going over at Paramount? Swimmingly. Uh, it is pouring rain in Los Angeles, so everyone's losing their minds. But uh, Paramount's great. Glad to be back on Tricorder Transmissions and Shore Leave, which I'm so stoked about. I think it's the coolest show ever. Aww. And I'm glad that Mr. Uh, Bill Smith's here, too. So it's like I get to be on Trek Geeks at the same time. How cool is that? <laughs> the planets have aligned, Adam. It's good to see you again, buddy. Likewise, likewise. Excellent. So glad to have everybody here. This is going to be pretty awesome. We're all going to be talking about our memories from our first times going to the convention out in Las Vegas. So I'm just going to go around the horn here and ask the first question on the on the docket here. So, Ian, uh, what year was the first convention that you went to out in Vegas? Uh, it was just last year. I'd wow. been wanting to go for uh, for a few years. It was actually at uh, Emerald City Comic Con, and I went to a Larry Nemechek panel and he mentioned that after his panel, which was like the very last panel on the very last day of the con, uh, he was going to go down the street to a bar and do some Trek trivia and uh, a little fundraising for his Con of Wrath documentary. And um, there were a few people that also came along with that who uh, some of them were con goers. And like the first question any of them asked me was, have you been to Star Trek Las Vegas yet? <laughs> and uh <laughs> Sadly, I had to say no, uh, but so they kept pestering me for a couple years, and um, so then I finally, you know, bit the bullet and uh, 
and went last year and uh, it was totally worth it. I, I saw some of them again at the con, which was cool, but uh, made so many new friends, including you guys. And uh, it was just a wonderful experience. I can't wait to go back. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, yeah. I think we we met up at the masquerade yep. uh, later in the evening. That, so that was really cool to me. So let's see. Let's really quick jump over to Adam. Adam, what was your first convention year? The first year I went to a convention was in 2013, and technically STLV wasn't the first. I had gone to a convention earlier that year, I want to say like February of 2013, and that was also a creation event. It was something they called the Grand Slam Convention, which apparently they had done for many years beforehand, took a break, and then 2013 was their first year back. And hmm. I, I don't think they've done it since. But it was kind of like a half Trek convention, half everything else kind of going on at sci-fi, fantasy, what have you. So it was kind of cool. It was a lot smaller, obviously, than mm -hmm. Vegas. But it was what the French would refer to as an amuse-bouche. It was the appetizer <laughs> that wet my taste for, uh, for the whole thing. And I was like, yeah, I have to go to Vegas this year. So I went 2013 and every year since. Oh, phenomenal, phenomenal. And uh, Mr. Bill Smith, what was the first STLV you attended? I want to say the first STLV was probably 2007, back when it was over at the Hilton, I think. <laughs> and my memory's a little foggy on that. I'm not going to lie. So what, what made you, Bill, what made you decide to go to your first STLV? It had been a while since I'd been to a convention. And I I sort of felt... Like, you know, if I was going to pick it back up again, that was probably the place to go. And I have an affinity for Vegas. I'm, I'm very familiar with, with the city itself. And I said, well, you know what? I'm just going to go. And so I did. I, I went and I was on my own and I had as good a time as one can have solo at a convention. But, uh, you know, you figure when the experience was there and there were warp core breaches and there were the rides and it offset a lot. So I had I had a great time. Excellent. Adam, what made you decide to go to STLV for the first time? It was something that was on my radar in 2012, I guess would be the first time I had heard about it. And this was just after I had moved across the country uh, to Los Angeles. So I was not really in a position to go, but I saw the sort of Twitter activity. and I was like, oh, this seems kind of rad. And um, like I said, the, the creation time that I'd went to the Grand Slam in, in Burbank earlier in 2013, it was cool, but it was like, I really don't care what the guys from Fringe or Angel have to say about anything, really. <laughs> so I saw, like, this is the Star Trek convention, this is it, and it was kind of interesting to listen to Claire's recollection of her first STLV last week. Because it was almost identical to mine, honestly. She went for the first time, I think, in 2013, and she went by herself. And it's interesting that you had mentioned as well, uh, Bill, the, the idea of going to one of these cons solo. And that's sort of been my experience for most of the three that I had gone, that I've gone to so far. At the, the last half of last year's in 2015, I actually got to sort of act as... Uh, the STLV Sherpa, if you will, to, <laughs> a, a, to Ashley Robinson and Jason Inman, who are the star oh, yeah. of uh, the Red Shirt Diaries and the, the brains behind that. And they, they've had quite a bit of con experience at, you know, the big Comic-Con and all, all the various ones around the L.A. area. But this was their first time at STLV. So it was kind of fun to go from 
two years ago, three years ago, not knowing a single person at this thing, to kind of being like, oh, yeah, here's how it goes. Here, here's the whole layout and everything. So uh, I love it. I think it's great. And, uh, you know, Heather, you've mentioned in the past that your STLV family gets bigger every year, and I think that's true for me. And, you know, when I when I met you in 2014, which would have been my second year there, I had just known you through, through Twitter, I suppose, yeah. and I, I saw you in your – your cheer fleet uniform with a couple other of the cheer fleet and I said oh hey I think we're Twitter buddies and it was just like oh my god big hug let's take a selfie and I was like yes this is what this is what Star Trek Las Vegas is about and uh you know I I was thinking about this earlier today how I've got friends who all year they look forward to Bonnaroo or to Coachella or to Burning Man or whatever it is and I you know it's it's STLV or it's nothing baby you know you you guys know (laughs) Mm-hmm. We know. You'll know people out there who have not been. You will know. Definitely. Now let's roll back over to Ian here. And since last year was your first year at the convention, I I'm really curious to know what your favorite memory of your first convention is. Ooh, that's a really, really tough one because there were so many. <laughs> Well, maybe just one of your favorites. Doesn't necessarily have to be a, a ranking thing, but well, let's see. There was um, getting to see an episode of Star Trek Continues on the big screen was a lot of fun. That was cool. Yeah. Um, really difficult though um, to pin one down. Like overwhelmingly, the feeling was just like meeting so many new people and being able to just strike up conversations with anyone. It's kind of not one thing, right? Because it was you know maybe like 50 different people, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like there was that, there was, um, some of the panels were fun. I went as copper last year, this year I'm going to be general admission, but so like having a, having a nice seat going up there. Oh, you know, there was, there was a really fun moment at the masquerade bar on one of the nights. I think I was still waiting for like all of you guys to show up. And, um, so, uh, Nikki DeBeer, was the table over from me. And um, there was some guy there that was, you know, just talking with her and, and like getting into this debate with her. Like he, he was arguing that like Donald Trump is the bee's knees and, you know, sorry to bring politics into it, but you know, Nikki just wasn't having any of that. And eventually the guy went away and she was just like, she was so fired up about it. She was like, she came over to my table and she was like, can you believe this guy? Like, what's up with that? <laughs> and so then like, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're having this, you know, little conversation, like, you know, kind of an intense, like, uh, philosophically political conversation. And then uh, Gene Roddenberry's son, Eugene Roddenberry, uh, comes up and says, hey, Nikki, I've been looking for you. And then. They, they walk off together, and I was like, huh, so that just happened. <laughs> now, I have a very distinct memory of you, Ian, at the masquerade. It was one of the very, very late nights, and I think we'd all so. – we're probably four or five beers in at that point, I would think. Um, it was it was pretty late, but you were you had gotten involved in one of our more um, – how can I say uh, – adult-sounding games that we play. <laughs> it's not, nothing yes. physical, but – uh, I don't. I don't want to get too deep into what the actual game is, but it, it's it's kind of it revolves around um, marrying certain characters and killing certain characters and things like that. But I remember you being roped into this game, and there were so many of us playing. Heather, were you playing at that time too? 
I'm, I might've been, I don't play that game as much. <laughs> <laughs> I know Claire was playing. Yeah. yeah. I think I have a picture of all of you. playing. Oh, you got to send oh, really? it. We can put it on the episode page. Do you remember, okay. remember that Ian? Oh, I totally remember that. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah was it, was, it was you and me and Claire and Jim and Andy was kind of in and out of it. Yes. Yeah, I think uh, Mike Rittenhouse I think, may have I think been Heather, too. I think you were there, but I don't remember you like chiming in. Man, well, sometimes I get quiet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. Um, so, Bill, I know you said your memories are a bit hazy, but I know you do have some stories that you wanted to share about your convention experiences. You want to throw one of those out there for us? Yeah, I'm absolutely happy to. I, I can tell you about the very first convention I ever went to. And uh, that was in the, the small city of Manchester, New Hampshire. I am a, I'm from New Hampshire. I'm a native. And it was the first convention they ever had there. And this is probably going back to 1987. Wow. Yeah. So I'm old. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and George Takei was the guest there. And I think there were maybe 300 people in attendance. You know, so it was a tiny convention at a tiny hotel. And I had no money. I mean, my parents spent the early part of the 80s out of work. And we spent the rest of the decade really kind of struggling. And I didn't have my driver's license yet. And so my mom took me to Manchester because she had some errands to run. And I said, well, can you drop me off at the hotel downtown? Because there's a Star Trek convention. And I want to see if I can get in the, in the dealer's room to maybe buy something. She goes, okay, I'll meet you back here in an hour. And I said, okay, great. So I get to the convention, and they're like, they don't want to let me in the dealer's room. I'm like, it's 3 o'clock on Sunday. Can you just let me in the dealer's room? I just, I'll, I'll go in. I'll come out. You'll never know I was here. So they finally consented and let me in, and I didn't really find anything. And I'm waiting in the lobby for my mom, and there's nobody else around. And I'm thinking, well, this is a Star Trek convention. Where are the people? And the next thing I know is I'm looking out the window. I feel a tap on my shoulder. And I turn around, and it's George Takei. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he says, um, are you going inside, meaning the convention hall? I said, well, no, I, actually, I, I don't have a ticket. I, I couldn't afford one. And he, he puts his hand on my shoulder and says, it's okay. I think if you come with me, nobody's going to say anything. <laughs> so we walk through the main door of the convention hall, and he makes his grand entrance into the room. And everybody's standing and applauding. And here I am walking into a Star Trek convention, or being snuck in, I should say, by Mr. Sulu. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. How long did your mom have to wait for you to come out? Uh, at least an hour, and she was not happy, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, and she couldn't get in there to come find you either because no, she didn't she have a couldn't. ticket. <laughs> so uh, she understood afterwards, but um, it was it was the experience of a lifetime, and uh, it's the kind of thing you never forget. I mean, how many people has George snuck into conventions? I'm willing to bet it's not. <laughs> Probably not that many, but you know, it's great to hear – you have a celebrity story because we've had a couple of them pop up so far. I remember um, Gerardo on our last episode told us uh, his great celebrity story so about Chase Masterson. So it's pretty amazing to hear these things. So Adam, do you have any uh, stories, similar stories from your first convention? The thing I think is interesting about my first convention, uh, thinking about it now, is one of my favorite things about my STLV experiences is 
indulging in these little rituals I've developed, and um, a lot of them started on that first time. A big part of it is the drive out there. Uh, living in Los Angeles, it's it's like a four or five hour drive to Vegas, so uh, I'm pretty fortunate and uh, fortunate in the fact that I don't have to spend money on airfare, and I get to have my car at the con the whole time. And the drive out there is great because uh, the first part of it all. Uh, listen to some podcasts, and I'll call people. I'm heading to Vegas, and um, you know the way it, the way it works is. Um, uh, have you have you guys ever seen that SNL sketch, The Californians? Yes, I love it. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So, well, I, being a, a, a an East Coaster before I came out here, I thought that was just like you know New Yorkers riffing on Californians. But having lived here for four years now, it re- it is so true. People talk like that all the time. So the way the way I get to the way I get to the way I get to STLV is I take the one hundred and one South to the ten East to the fifteen <laughs> North. Okay? And yep. the and the fifteen the fifteen North is like the big stretch. It's like two hundred mile drive. So the second I hit that. Uh, 15 north through the desert, I crank up uh, Jerry Goldsmith's score for First Contact. Nice. And I'm like, just like, yes, it's happening. And it's just, like the, it's, like, it's just like the perfect moment. I get so excited just for that little moment. And and the cool thing is, every year I add new little parts to my ritual. So the, the new thing for that is after I listen to First Contact, I just recently came into possession of the 15-disc La La Land record set of all the original original series music so it's a great I'm set to, yeah i'm gonna be listening to a lot of tos music on the drive up and um hit up all my favorite food spots which i'll, I'll i think i'll get into a little bit later i guess and um you know a couple of the, the the things that really stand out the first time is one of the first people i met there and really hung out with a bit was jordan hoffman who does the one yes. trek mind panels yeah. in, the, in the secondary theater great guy uh we're both uh, alumni of nyu film school go nyu and um we uh just kind of hit it off we both had some mutual friends and we just kind of palled around that first night we got Romulan blue slushies uh, around the corner from the Masquerade Bar. I don't know if you guys know about that, but there's a little alcoholic slushy booth, and they have different Trek-themed ones. So it got uh, pretty wrecked on some really just disgustingly sweet uh, rum punch. And then we went to the karaoke, and um, Jordan did Living for the City by Stevie Wonder, which absolutely just destroyed. Everyone was dancing. And then after him was... Eric Allen Hall, who I believe has been yeah. on this show before. He has, yeah. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, Heather, you did an awesome cosplay with him as the uh, Paradise Syndrome, right? Yeah, Miramani's Tribe. <laughs> Phenomenal. It's such a good cosplay. And uh, he went up after Jordan as Data with a, a woman who is dressed as an Andorian, and they did the B-52's Love Shack, and it was on... <laughs> believable so i think i still have the video on my phone i'll have to post it to you guys that really stuck out of my mind um watching denise crosby officiate a wedding on the enterprise d replica bridge that houston huddleston brought that was amazing so many good things and uh, i just love adding to those little rituals i've developed uh in the last three years and can't wait to just just blow it into the stratosphere now for the 50th so cool that you brought up Jordan Hoffman, by the way. Just a quick side note. Uh, we, we often talk about, uh, you know, when we met certain people at the conventions and, and and remembering those particular moments. And I remember very distinctly that uh, I mentioned this conversation that I had had with um, Claire and uh, Jim Morehouse the first night that we met in 
at the masquerade, but Jordan Hoffman was the fourth person involved in that conversation. And that's why Claire wound up jumping in uh, to the conversation we were having. So Jordan is a part of my, uh, my memories from last year and, and actually meeting Claire and Jim Morehouse. So pretty cool that he's kind of part of both of our stories. I, yeah, I think he's phenomenal. And he I is. told him when I first met him, cause I had never been to, I'd never seen his panels. I just known him through his one Trek mind, uh, I guess it would be his, his articles on Star Trek.com, which if you guys haven't read these, they're so, so good. And they're so funny and personable and unique. And it's just, I told him, I think it's just, it was such a great way for me to embrace what the fandom is because I, I mentioned the last time I was on this show, I'm relatively new to the Star Trek community. I only started watching the show really in late 2011. And I read these articles and I'm like, okay, I get it. Like not, it's not this monolithic you know, trekky core base that I thought it was. Everyone kind of has their own take on it, and he's just so funny. And if you and I, if if anyone hasn't been to his one Trek mind panels at STLV, probably my one of my favorite parts of the whole convention. So much fun because he'll do a thing where he'll throw out a topic: ten best Star Trek ships, ten best. Star Trek fights, and uh, everyone gets to go up to the mic, have a little debate, and it's a crowd-done thing, and he's like just this classic New York-style MC, and he's throwing out quips, everybody's loving it, and now that I think about it, the first one I remember my first year, this was 20, summer 2013, so this was right after... Uh, Star Trek in a Darkness came out, and everyone, that was the thing that year. Everyone was, you know, buzzing about that and hating on that and this and that, and it, it became the thing that the ranked the, the they ranked the Star Trek movies from best to worst. And of course, that was the year that Star Trek in a Darkness took the thirteenth spot because Galaxy Quest was included, and then it became you know all over the internet. Star Trek fans hate in a Darkness ranked as the worst. Thing ever, and I was there in the room, and it really, yeah. you know, it was a fun debate, but it wasn't this huge controversial thing. It was just like, yeah, it was, you know, it just came out, and no one was vibing it, and that was that. But I just love, love, love those those Star Trek uh, One Trek Mind panels because it really feels like Twitter live or a, a web forum live, <laughs> and you just have the best, funniest toast you can get. So yeah, I'm a big fan of Jordan Hoffman for sure. Awesome. So, uh, Bill, I know we had talked prior to recording and you had several stories that you wanted to share. So let's throw back to you for another one of your. Well, wow, the pressure's on. I, uh, I have another convention I think of as my first and it's, it's probably one of the more recent ones. And even though I've been to STLV before that, I, um, I think of, of some of these as, you know, uh, kind of seminal in my experience as a Star Trek fan. And it was back in 2011, my wife took me to Trek Boss, so the creation convention in Boston, specifically so I could get my photo taken with William Shatner. Because that was kind of a bucket list thing for me. You know, I've always wanted a photo with Shatner. And this was uh, right around the time where he was kind of having his turnabout, you know, his, his change of mindset with yep. regard to conventions and fans. And so I got the photo taken, and the next day... You know, my wife said, so what did you think about the convention? I said, well, honestly, it, uh, it was kind of lame. I mean, you know, the, the venue was terrible. The sound system was, was almost inaudible. Everything was cramped. There was practically no dealer's room. She goes, well, you know, you should take that photo of you and Shatner to Vegas and get it signed. <laughs> and I said, well, honey, Vegas is in three weeks. And then she said, 
the words that launched my annual trip now, which which are, I guess you'd better get cracking, shouldn't you? <laughs> wow. <laughs> and that started, you know, what has now become a, a gathering of my, you know, my, my, my brothers in arms. You know, I called a couple of my friends in Denver and said, hey, you know, what are the odds you guys can meet me in Vegas in three weeks? And they said, yeah, we're there. So we went and I got my picture with with William Shatner signed and he could not have been more gracious. I know what his reputation is, Mm -hmm. but he was, he was kind and he, you know, made eye contact, you know, everybody before me and after me, was having, you know, merchandise and memorabilia signed. And here I brought a photo of me and him. And, you know, normally the, uh, the handler takes the photo and they set it down in front of him. And then the person on the other side takes the photo from him and hands it back to you. Mm. So the first part of that happened, you know, they took the photo from me, they put it in front of him. He stopped what he was doing. He put his hands up in the air and he looked at me and said, thank you so much for this. And so he took his pen and he probably signed his name a little bigger than he did the rest of that day. And instead of letting the person to his left, take it from him and present it to me, he handed it to me himself and said, thank you so much. And I have to tell you, it's the most humble I have ever seen William Shatner at a convention, and it totally changed my mindset. And that trip launched my annual golf trek trip that I make with my buddies, hmm. and it has grown every year. And now there are 10 of us who go, and we spend the weekend doing golf-related things, and we go to the Star Trek convention. And this year it's, it's more trek than golf, which is great, but it's, uh, it really has – created a new phase of my fandom at a new point in my life as I get older. Yeah, oh, real quick, Bill, can I just say the first Trek Geeks podcast I listened to was actually your guys' STLV podcast, and I, had, I first saw it because Heather had retweeted it, and I listened to it, and I was just listening to you talk about your golf sesh and just how you like to hang out with your bros and you, you Gordon Ramsay's and the Wheel of Meat and just the <laughs> level of detail. I love I love the Wheel of Meat, by the way. It's so good. Um, just but the level of detail and warmth and and specificity which with you spoke about it, I was like. Yeah, I get it because I'm coming from the same place, and I, I've, I think I've listened to every Trek Geeks the day it came out since. So I'm a, just to throw you some uh, some love there. I, uh, I I totally appreciate and love hearing your stories about it. I I, I can't get enough. Well, uh, thank you so much. And you know, it's funny because I made this comment on an episode, and Heather retweeted it today. And everybody who loves something about Star Trek is a real fan, and oh, these yeah. experiences are what. You know, what define our fandom and it's unique to everybody and they are some of the best moments of my adult life and as I get older because you know, I'll be 50 in a few years I am probably more prescient you know with regard to that than anything else and they are things that you know are, are going to warm my heart from now till the end of time excellent wow that, that's, a, that's a great place to end the podcast uh, top that Adam <laughs> wow so no, we're not actually ending the podcast now, though. <laughs> we're not actually going to end the podcast. Now. Um, you know, playing off of of this uh, photo op uh, experience, Ian, since your la- first convention was last year, did you do any photo ops? I totally did. Um, let's see. I I only did a few of them though. Um, I I did one. You know, with the the Enterprise bridge that they had there, the TOS bridge. Um, just me sitting in the captain's chair. That's it. Pretty simple, but awesome. And then uh, 
I know I did um, Gowron and Martok, like you know, in their Klingon costumes. Nice. Uh, that was that was a lot of fun, and they are hilarious. <laughs> it was Just like right after it. the yeah, it was right after the panel that they did, where they were they were in their makeup and everything, and. Um, the line was huge, but it was totally worth it just standing in line um, for, you know, you get like maybe 10 seconds max, but, uh, you know, they were just totally into it. They were just like, you know, come on, give us your, your biggest Klingon roar. And, you know, just like getting into it. It was a lot of fun. I want to say I did one more, but I can't really think of what it would be at the moment. Did you do did you do any photos with uh with friends that you met there? Uh yeah, I did a few. Um like there was the uh you know those Borg alcoves they had in the hallway. Um I ran into my friends Michael and Karen Malome who are also here in Seattle. You know, that I actually ran into them pretty much as soon as I got to the con, which was kind of awesome. Uh, cuz they were the ones who had first pestered me about, you know, like, "Hey, have you been to STLV yet?" Um, and so then, you know, I was just walking around with them. That was how I met, uh, Marina. Cause like they ran into her and then they're like, Hey Marina. And uh, this is Ian. And, um, and so like we meandered over towards those Borg alcoves and, and got some photos of, you know, we all took photos of each other, like standing in the, in the alcoves. And, and that was a lot of fun. They did those things were really well put together. <laughs> they were. Yeah. I don't think I did any of the, um, the other stuff, though. Like, they had the uh, Guardian of Forever there uh, with the pile of tribbles in front of it. And, like, all those other public ones, I don't think I really did. But um, those are the ones that immediately come to mind. And then I also got, like, a few just, um, you know, celebrity portraits from the dealer's table signed, which I guess is not really, like, a photo op at all, but... They're in the same stack, so well, it could be celebrity <laughs> interactions. I mean, did you, you, when you got the photos, you did you did have to actually converse with them a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah. totally. Um, what one was great uh, was Anthony Montgomery. Right. So, uh, Anthony Montgomery, I have waited uh, eleven years to meet him, and the reason that number is very specific is because that's how old my cat is, oh. and. So Anthony Montgomery's first lead role in a movie was in do – you, do you remember in the 80s they had the Leprechaun movies with Warwick Davis? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Right? So they kept making those. And in 2000, they came out with Leprechaun 5, Leprechaun in the Hood. Oh, yeah. God, I remember that. And Anthony Montgomery uh, was the lead in that. And his, his character's name was Postmaster P. And he was this uh, this rapper who was trying to make it without, you know, uh, compromising his principles. And, um, you know, you could totally see, like, you know, why he took the role and everything. But it's it was also obvious that it was like the kind of thing that um, he really just wanted to jump off of that springboard and then not look back, you know. Uh, but my cat, <laughs> who is now almost 12 years old, uh, is named Postmaster P after that character. And so I got to, I got to talk to Anthony Montgomery and say, Hey, by the way, my cat is named postmaster P and he just lost it. It was like 11 years waiting to tell him that and see the look on his face. And it completely paid off. I really 
love that everyone has had their own specific memories with different actors or different friends. I think it really goes to show that no matter who you are, you go to this convention and have these types of experiences. It's pretty amazing. Absolutely. It is. And and I think this is one of those things we've said before, but this is the stuff that can happen at a Star Trek convention. And, you know, you can't bank on it happening, but it's it seems to be so common amongst all of us that I think the odds of you having some interaction with somebody involved with the Star Trek series is, is pretty good. Yeah. yeah, they they do seem to come around a lot. Um, I mean, not just the dealer's room, but also like the masquerade. I mean, there was Nicky Beer that one night, but then uh, I remember another night you had um, Vaughn Armstrong was in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I sat I sat next to Don Most at the masquerade bar, which nice. he was just a guest star in a couple episodes. But I was in my head, I was like, man, I'm sitting next to Ralph Mouth for Happy <laughs> Days right now. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I remember Tracy Coco hanged out, uh, hung out in the masquerade a bit. So it really seems like the masquerade is the place to hang out, which was, which was a tip that I had gotten from your group, Heather, the unofficial Las Vegas Star Trek uh, group. We can only imagine what the masquerade is going to look like this year. Oh my God. I'm going to be surprised if we get even standing room in there. I, I have a feeling that a lot of it is going to be standing on that little platform below where all the slot machines are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah most likely. likely. There's been talk of some of the other bars around and other places to hang out, but I feel like everybody just gravitates to the masquerade, so we'll probably right. just still be overflowing there. Yeah, more than likely. Uh, hey, Adam, uh, any photo op memories from your first STLV? Yes and no. I've never done an official photo op that, you know, you, you stand in line, creation does, you get the glossy, whatever. Never actually done that. But another one of my uh, STLV uh, rituals that I had mentioned before is my Polaroid camera, which is like the best. Um, my mom bought this uh, Polaroid 600 camera in, I want to say like 1988. And it still works like charm. There's only one place that still sells the film. It's this company called The Impossible Project. And uh, it's an independent thing. And it's obscenely expensive. But it's really funny because it's one of those things where everyone has a a camera in their cell phone now. So when you pull out the Polaroid, everyone's like, oh, man, that's cool. (laughs) And it's it's a great thing. So I kind of like I brought I did that the first year. And I got I kind of geek out more about the writers and directors and that kind of thing, more so than the actors. So my first year, I got a Polaroid with uh, Brandon Braga, who was really cool. And his assistant, it was, the funny thing I remember about that, his assistant like, freaked out about the Polaroid. She's like, oh, my God, like that's so cool, this and that. So it was really funny. The second year, I, I think it was in Jersey at the time, so I didn't bring it with me. But last year, I brought it back, and I took a ton of film. And the, the one uh, celebrity, I guess, that I was so geeked out about the whole time was Mr. Brian Fuller, who we just now recently uh, yeah. heard is going to be the new showrunner of yeah. Star Trek in the next year. So at the time, he was just there because, you know, he had started on Star Trek, but at the time he was doing Hannibal, which is the show. It's so, so, so good. So I got my Polaroid with Fuller, and I got him to sign that, and then I happened to be... Uh, walking around and I saw him uh, in the Borg alcove taking pictures. So I just went up and I'm like, hey, do you mind if I snap a Polaroid? Are you in the Borg alcove? And he's like, yeah, totally. So he threw up the Vulcan salute and I got a Polaroid of that. And I honestly, I, I think that was right before uh, I met you, uh, Bill and Dan, 
uh, with uh, Jason and Ashley at the con. Where that was, I think, like literally a second before that happened. Oh wow, that's pretty cool. I think I met I met you guys in the hallway right around the same time. I want to say possibly because I know I met you. I didn't know you through Twitter beforehand. I met you through Ashley and Jason, who had done a podcast with you before. Yeah, we had done a lot of promo work for the first series of uh, Red Shirt Diaries, and I remember kind of. The crowd was kind of parting as I was walking through the hall and I saw Ashley and Jason emerge and you were like right behind them. And it was one of those, oh, my God, kind of moments uh, seeing people that yeah. I had only yeah, talked to on uh, on a podcast before. So that was great. Then we actually got to hang out uh, Thanksgiving weekend uh, just this past year in Jersey and uh, had a little masquerade bar sesh ourselves, which was pretty fun. <laughs> yes, in Princeton, New Jersey. Yeah, we got together for a, a round or two of beers here. Uh, so uh, nice to meet up with a, a, an STLV friend uh, kind of in between conventions. Totally cool. And the thing that I literally just thought of is we both kind of uh, realized we were both huge fans of Pink Floyd during that conversation, which is another thing that I love about STLV. And going back to the Polaroid, that's kind of how I uh, struck up a convo with uh, everybody's good buddy, Andy Fark uh, from Five Year Mission. I was talking to him about the Polaroid and, and somehow we got onto the topic of Harmony Corinne, who's just this crazy director to Gummo and Kids and yeah. uh, most recently Spring Breakers. In the back of my head, I'm thinking, like, I would have never imagined in a million years I'd be talking about this kind of stuff at, at, at STLV, but that's kind of it. Like, you know, I, I, I was really enjoyed uh, Claire's presentation as well, which was, I think, that we said later on would be the flashpoint for your Atavacron show. Like, just yes, it's so cool seeing not only everyone obviously is there because they love Star Trek so much, and then you find out the other kind of stuff they love, it just makes it that much better, I think. I totally agree. Uh, with Andy in particular, uh, we were all hanging out at the masquerade one night, and um, I noticed that he was wearing a Wesley Willis shirt. And it's so rare to meet anyone who even knows who Wesley Willis was. Uh, he's now unfortunately deceased. Um, he was this the, out, the outsider artist, right? Uh, he was he was um, this formerly homeless. Like he was a uh, he suffered from schizophrenia, uh, and he had he he got to start basically with a Casio keyboard and just writing kind of the same song over and over with just bizarre bizarre lyrics like uh there's one song for example called i whooped batman's ass and he always he would always um he would always sign off each song with rock over london rock on chicago and then some sort of marketing slogan like wheaties breakfast of champions <laughs> and so I, I saw that i saw andy wearing that shirt and i said rock over london rock on chicago <laughs> and like immediately he was like okay because he was talking with uh you know heather and and um I forget who else, but uh, on the other side of, of the circle. And he was like, excuse me, I need to go talk with this gentleman right now. <laughs> uh, Andy is awesome like that, by the way. So if, if anybody who's listening to this wants to come and hang out with us at, at Masquerade, I'm sure Andy will be close by and you can meet this uh, this yeah, mythical great. figure. <laughs> <laughs> he might be listening to this too, mythical figure, Andy Fark. So, uh, Ian, since we're talking to you uh, about your first convention, do you I know you said you went to a few panels. Are there any panels that stick out to you specifically that you uh, can say were favorites? Oh, um, 
Well, the one that probably sticks out the most in my mind was the Leonard Nimoy tribute. Yeah. It's it's hard to not get emotional even just thinking about him and just like seeing it was really a well put together presentation they did and um and then uh getting to see Adam Nimoy speak afterwards uh was a real treat. Um and it was it was the sort of thing cuz um while this was going on uh my own dad was you know uh on his deathbed basically and um so it was uh there was a kind of synchronicity there of emotion that um that really resonated with me so i i'd i'd probably have to say that that um those two were were probably the biggest um the biggest one for me i don't know if it's it's bittersweet to have uh, an emotional connection like that uh with with a panel it's just, i mean is spock one of your favorite characters oh absolutely yeah. <laughs> i thought we were talked about that at the con Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, uh, whenever I'm in school, I'm not currently at the moment, but, uh, it's one of the reasons I'm going into the merchant Marines to get money for school. Um, like I'm studying for a chemical engineering degree, which uh-huh. is basically like you can directly trace that back to watching Spock as a six year old kid, <laughs> you know, on, on my TV. Um, the idea of like, uh, I mean, he, he was a science officer, right? Like that's such a weird thing to see, you know, like on any TV show. Uh, and plus just the character himself was, was so great. And then, and then of course, you know, who, who has anything bad to say about like the man? Um, he was just an incredible person and, uh, boy, what a loss that was. Yeah. So I, I, I always love uh, talking to other people who were inspired by, the spot character as children. And I think that's something that we talked about at the convention briefly. And I'm I'm glad that you brought that up again. I've talked about my, uh, my drawing inspiration from Spock to get into computers when I was a little kid. So, Oh yeah. So, so awesome to hear, uh, other people who kind of are are on a similar path because of, of that character in part because of that character. So, um, as we're getting close to the end of our discussion here, I want to give you guys each an opportunity to, offer any advice that you may have for people who may be considering going to the con for their first time. So Ian, being that your first time was last year, is there anything you learned from being at the Vegas convention that you think other people might benefit from knowing? Well, before you go to the the Vegas con, the first thing you should do uh, is sign up for the unofficial Star Trek Las Vegas group on (laughs) Facebook, because that was an absolute uh, fountain of useful information that, that prepared me for a lot of the stuff. Um, and, uh, and it also like connected me with a lot of like, cause it's such a huge group and a lot of the people there are, um, you know, they, they, they're obviously there at the convention as well. That's why <laughs> the page exists. Right. And so, um, you know, if you want to know what's going on, where to go hang out, uh, all that sort of stuff, that, that page is really going to, give you a great idea. And, um, the piece of advice that I would say is, um, just walk up to people and talk to them. I mean, don't be like weird about it, but like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you, you really can't cause like everybody there has one thing in common and that's Star Trek. And so it doesn't matter. Like you just talk to people and it turns out most of the people there are really cool and really fun to talk to. And 
you have like a really good chance of making a whole lot of new friends potentially that will last you the rest of your life. Um, so just that, that would be my advice is, um, just talk to people. Very good advice. <laughs> Absolutely. Excellent. And, uh, I always love getting the plugs in for the unofficial Facebook group here. So yes, thank, thank you. you. For that. So, uh, Adam, any advice for would be newcomers to the Vegas con? I have never stayed at the Rio in the three years I've, I've gone to the convention. So I'll say this, since I know the Rio is completely sold out at this point, and um, a lot of the nearby ones are too, you're going to have a great time if you don't stay at the Rio. I'll tell you a couple of the places I have stayed. The first year I stayed at Harrah's on the Strip, which is nice. It's like a good, low-budget Strip option. It's great if you've never been to Vegas before, and you can actually take a shuttle from Harrah's to Rio. Very cool. Uh, I've stayed at both the Howard Johnson's and the Super 8 across from the Nellis Air Force Base in Las Vegas, which is at the complete opposite side of the city from where yeah. Rio is. But if, if you have a car, it's, it's 15 minutes or less, and it's, it's nothing. Like, literally all I do at the hotel is, is use the bathroom, sleep, shower, whatever, you know. So I'm never there. Uh, and then the last year I went, I actually did an Airbnb, which I thought would be kind of <laughs> sketchy because, you know, you never know. But it was this fam, like super nice family, and I walk in. They're watching Doctor Who, and they're like, "Oh, we love Doctor Who. We don't really know Star Trek." This and I'm like, "Okay, this is nice. This is perfectly fine. You're paying half the price of what you would at any hotel, even the cheap ones like the Howard Johnsons or whatever." So, if you're you know comfortable with that, look into Airbnb. I think that's a good suggestion. Um, if you do drive to the convention, this is something I think is specific to my experience that I've really kind of enjoyed discovering. You can park basically right where the corner is between the main ballroom and the hallway with the secondary theater and vendors and all that stuff. You can just walk right in. Mm -hmm. I like to park, however, in this little weird side parking lot that you walk into basically right where that Indian buffet is. So like halfway between the con area and the masquerade bar, because that way you have like a good better part of 10 minutes walk into the con you get to watch everybody walking in walking out seeing all their costumes i just like that little aspect of it so just weird little things like that find your own path to you know stlv if it's you know not staying at the hotel you want to or not being able to see every little thing just kind of enjoy the pieces that come to you and real quick it, you know go eat at Pop's Cheese Steaks, uh, which is awesome. Go eat at Jam's for breakfast, which is so, so good. Uh, way, way cheaper than the Hash House in the Rio. And this is coming from somebody who worked on Man vs. Food on Travel Channel. So I know all the good Vegas spots, guys. But uh, just have a great time. That's the end-all, be-all advice that I can say to you if you go going to FTLV. Have a great time, guys. Yeah, fantastic advice. Listen, I'm going to chime in real quick here because we were talking about parking. Uh, I just uh, something that I learned, and this is advice that I would give anybody. If you are, in fact, renting a car or driving in, uh, when you pull into the Rio from the front entrance and you kind of veer off to the right and go past the parking deck, don't park in the parking deck. So wrap around the back of the building and you will see a lot back there that Adam was mentioning that will bring you up the staircase there will bring you right into the hall where the convention is. So you don't have to walk all the way from the parking deck. A lot of people think they have to park there, but you don't. There's a whole big lot back there that actually will get filled up uh, during midday. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's and really it's, listen, freaking it's hot. It's free. <laughs> It is free. You know, it's hot. It's hot. It's free. You can park anywhere in Vegas for free. And listen, guys, if you want to hang out at the Masquerade Bar, 
get a little buzz on. It's Vegas. It's your vacation. Do it. Leave your car there and take a cab. They're mm-hmm. not going to yeah. give you a ticket. Just come back. It'll be there for you in the car in the morning. Don't sweat it. Like, just because you're not staying at the Rio doesn't mean you can't hang out and party super late. Just be responsible. Agreed. So thank you, everybody, Ian and Adam. Thank you for being on this episode of Shore Leave. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on here. Hopefully both of you can come back on the show prior to the convention. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah, you got it. Uh, Well, actually, that might be a little bit difficult. I might be out at sea, like, just right up to the vacation. But get a hold of me on Twitter. I will try. (laughs) <laughs> well, perhaps you could record a little voice memo on your phone and, and email it to us and we can include it in an episode before the convention. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, Heather, any closing comments from you as we're signing off? Yeah, I was talking to myself there for a minute. No, <laughs> I, I don't have anything else to say. Um, I really hope that everyone looking for tickets is able to get tickets. Um, join the group because we have the thread and hopefully you'll find some um I'm so excited, and that's the more that we talk, the more excited I get. So I'm just mm-hmm. high on thinking about STLV right now. <laughs> as as are we all. I think we're all getting really excited. We're uh, we're only a few months out, and but there'll be plenty more shore leave episodes between now and the convention, and uh, you'll be able to tune in with us at least once a month. Uh, every month leading up to the convention, although there's some talk of maybe doing some more frequent episodes here as the convention gets closer and closer and yeah. more guests are announced and some of the activities that are going to be happening are announced and uh, some of the unofficial activities that are going to be developed in the Facebook yeah. group get announced. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for more Shore Leave episodes. And, and thank you, as always, for tuning in. You can find our show at the thetricordertransmissions.com. Facebook.com slash the Tricorder Transmissions on Twitter at TTT underscore pod. And of course, you can also find the unofficial Star Trek Las Vegas Facebook page, which is the group we keep talking about that our wonderful co-host Heather Barker (laughs) is an administrator of. So uh, join up on that group and and talk to us and we'll be more than happy to, uh, to talk back and have some conversations with you. So unfortunately, this episode and your shore leave are now over. (laughs) 